You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Holly Randall Unfiltered is brought to you by Blue Chew. Blue Chew offers men a performance enhancement for the bedroom that is a chewable tablet that can be taken on a full or empty stomach. And you don't even have to leave the house. They offer a free online consultation with a licensed physician who can prescribe you Blue Chew online and have it shipped discreetly to your door. You can get your first order free when you go to bluechew.com and use promo code HOLLY. Just pay $5 shipping. That's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W and use promo code HOLLY. Hi, I'm Holly Randall and welcome to my podcast, Holly Randall Unfiltered. This is a show about sex, the adult industry, and the people in it. I'm a 21-year veteran of this fascinating little industry, and as the eldest child of the trailblazing erotic photographer Suze Randall, you could say I grew up in it. So forget everything you think you know about porn, because this show is going to change your mind. My guests are some of the biggest names in the industry, and we unabashedly reveal the real behind-the-scenes stories. The funny, the inspiring, the tragic, and the bizarre. Everyone has an opinion about sex work, but few people actually listen to the sex workers. So sit back and prepare yourself for a podcast, which is honest, raw, and unfiltered. Today, I'm bringing you a very special bonus episode of Holly Randall Unfiltered. I did my first live podcast at the XBiz convention. XBiz is an adult industry trade association, if you didn't know. And I hosted a panel on female performers turned directors. I got to have both Lena Paul and Whitney Wright on my panel. And we delve into some really interesting discussions about what it's like for them to shift from in front of the camera to behind the camera, the challenges and the rewards that come with it. So I hope you enjoy my very first live podcast as a special bonus to you guys, Lena Paul and Whitney Wright on Holly Randall Unfiltered. Hello, everybody. Welcome to my very first live podcast. Um, I'm doing it on a small scale at the XBiz Conference 2020. I'm Holly Randall. This is Holly Randall Unfiltered, where we explore the real stories in the adult industry, speaking with fellow performers and directors, as well as anybody else who kind of works behind the scenes in adult and also works in the sex industry in general. The idea behind my podcast is to dispel the myths that are commonly associated with the adult industry and to show the world what the industry is like and the people in it. So today I'm very excited to have two amazing ladies on who have both been guests on my podcast before. They are both performers turned directors and they're actually simultaneously doing both jobs which are very difficult so I feel like we must applaud them for being able to handle both because I can only barely do one um so we have Whitney Wright over here hi Hi, everyone (laughs) and then Whitney do you want to introduce yourself like talk about who you direct for um yeah so I've been performing since 2016 and I recently just started directing in March of 2019, and I direct for Gamma, which is 
anything from Pure Taboo, Girls Way, the massage sites, and Lesbian Revenge. And I also direct for Missa X, and they're a Wisconsin-based company who also have a um, girl-girl company called All Her Love. Fantastic. And then Lena, will you introduce yourself, please? Uh, hi, I'm Lena Paul. I've also been a performer since 2016. I think we got in like the same month, actually. Uh, September? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I direct for MindGeek, so primarily right now I do uh, features for Digital Playground and for Babes.com. And I will say that I used to direct for Digital Playground quite a bit. Now I'm just working for Twisties. But um, I just I, I just want to say off the bat, like I know how difficult Lena's jobs is. I know how challenging it is to direct for Digital Playground. They have very high expectations and that's why their stuff is so good. And um, I've been seeing a lot of the stuff that you've been doing and it's been really, really great. So um, congratulations, and my heart is with you. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> like, when I see you stressing out, I'm like, oh, man, I know exactly how she feels. Meanwhile, Whitney is over here getting hella nominations for her directing and doing, like, an incredible job. Like, she's doing things that are as hard as digital, if not more complicated with what you've been up to at Gamma. Yeah, what nominations have you gotten? Please let us know. Um, I got some for... My my first girl girl vignette two part thing um, endless and then I got a bit for my first real feature Adelaide which I wrote because I write all of the ones for Missa um, myself which is also a bit of a I guess challenge but when the inspiration comes and it's like okay fine finally we got over that hump but um yeah it's um. It's a lot different, which I'm sure you can attest to. And there's a lot more to keep track of, which I feel like once you finally get it down, then it at least becomes manageable and not like, oh, I'm going to pull my hair out kind of thing. But I really love it. And I'm like glad I get to direct and do all this stuff. And so, yeah, yeah. But to answer your question, a few, quite a few for Adelaide, I guess. So do you find it more difficult or perhaps easier in a way to write and direct your own movies or would you prefer to get a script and just direct it? Um, I like both kind of. Gamma sends me scripts and then they're like, okay, here's what we need. Here's everything else. You can put your creative spin on it if you want, but here's what we need, which is nice because it's a lot less work. But when I'm... um, when I'm writing them, most of the time, um, Missa doesn't really give me anything to, to go off of. She won't be, she won't say anything like, write about this girl and she has this conflict with her father or neighbor or something. But um, she'll say, write whatever you want. And then I'm like, okay, well, now I feel like there's this, uh, that I don't have any parameters or something that I have to stay in. So sometimes it feels like it can be a bit harder and I've definitely learned a lot um I because I have to always remind myself like okay I can make these things and write these stories that I really like but at the end of the day people are kind of still watching it to you know to watch like porn so um 
I've learned you have to balance like the idea of trying to tell a compelling story with the fact that people are masturbating to this material. Exactly. So it's like you almost can't take it too seriously and get carried away. Yeah. It's kind of a comfort sometimes. I'm like, don't worry, don't worry. It's just porn. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But I have learned a lot because in one of my in one of my stories I did, she she did tell me that they needed a stepmom, stepson type story. No so. way. I know. I know. No way. It was That's weird. Insane. I'd never heard of it before. But but at the end of the thing, um I had the mom um poison the stepson and kill him. So it was uh so it was like a feel good, lighthearted story. It was, but I thought it was. I thought it was so good because she was like doing the same thing, like that one movie I forget with that one guy, but keeping him sick, right? Yeah, and uh, so he couldn't leave and go back to college. And um, I learned very quickly that the lovers of the mom son genre do not like when the son dies. So <laughs> I'm going to remember that for my next thing because I would totally kill his son. I know they were like advice. not a fan of this. And I was like, well, <laughs> yeah. So Lena, I know that working for MindGeek, they tend to have pretty specific parameters and they often um, send scripts with very detailed ways about how they want you to shoot it. But I believe you did actually write one of your movies as well is that true uh yes it's coming out later this month i think if i didn't overwhelm them with editor's notes to the point that it might be the first week of february but sometime in the next couple of weeks and so how was that experience for you how was it different how was it better how was it worse um i am so much worse and harder on myself than the mind geek script writers like i i sort of created something that was so complicated that I wound up having to do a lot of edits to it after the fact, which was totally fine. It still worked, but I definitely learned that like at times less is more. I hear you. When one of the first movies that I wrote and directed for Wicked was Sexual Fidelity and it was an insane amount of dialogue and both like Casey Calvert and Seth Gamble, who are both great at dialogue, were like, this is way too much dialogue and i was like is it and it ended up being three hours long and it's supposed to be an hour and a half and wicked was like could you please cut that down by a lot Oops. whoops <laughs> that's exactly something that i would do um it was really fun to be able to write my own script and to have a vision because it was something that like had been in my head for so long and it was so gratifying to be able to put that out into like the physical world just seeing something that was like oh this was in my head and then it was on a page and now it's on a screen happening in front of me like that was kind of magical honestly like I know that it's just porn at the end of the day but it can also be something really beautiful at times I don't know it's really cool to have something that you cultivate yourself from your own mind and you write it and you direct it and it's a lot of work but when the process is over and you see the whole thing come together and you see the way that everybody, you know, the actors take your dialogue and, you know, put their own spin on it. And it's, it is kind of magical. And I hear you, like, there's definitely times when you're just like, you're like, oh yeah, it is just porn, but like, it's not. And there was this moment where, um, one of my 
Wicked Movies because they're the only company that I shoot for that allows me to write my own dialogue. I wrote this kind of long diatribe about like how women are more than just like one thing and how they're multifaceted and they can be, you know, they can be like a sexual being in, in, at one moment and then like a serious worker at the other. And Brad Armstrong was actually kind of delivering this. And like, you know, when I wrote it, I was like, oh, I don't know. It's kind of cheesy. It's kind of whatever. And then when he actually delivered it i was like in tears and my director's chair was like that's so deep and meaningful but it wasn't until like i saw it acted out by somebody you know who's as good as he is that like it 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 meant it actually had meaning writing out something and being scared about how it sounds until someone says it was pretty much like my entire experience writing the script i was just like this is ridiculous why am i even putting this out like i i got like a vulnerability hangover kind of like you write it out and then you're like I wish that I didn't say that. (laughs) This is way too serious. And then you actually hear the people that you've brought in saying their lines and delivering it, and it becomes theirs as well. And it's amazing. (laughs) Not always, like, there were times when I was like, oh, let's change this or let's tweak this. But at times it's just like, wow, that went so much better than I could have thought or dreamed that it could have. Yeah, and it's funny because those are the days when you can't just blame things on a stupid scriptwriter. Because I feel we've all done that. Like, look, I didn't write this, okay? So just do it. And like, oh, this script is so dumb. And then like, you and the whole crew can laugh about it, and you can just be the vehicle that's delivering this ridiculous script. But when you actually wrote it, you can't say that. I think I'm gonna lie on every script that I deliver in like pre-production. Like in post-production, I'll take credit and whatever. But in pre-production, I'll be like, yeah. I don't know why Montreal sent us this, guys. I really, I, I don't know what's wrong here. <laughs> let's, let's cut this. Oh, my God. I know exactly what you mean. Um, so, Whitney, uh, so now that you're directing, what do you think, if anything, your experience as a performer brings to the table that might make you maybe better than someone like me who's never performed in front of the camera i'm not saying that um yes you are no you're about to no um (laughs) i would just say basically performer safety and like knowing whether they're comfortable on set and just looking back in situations that i've thought wow i would really love it um if like this was paid attention to more or if someone asked me like even something as small as or something like with the dialogue and you know gave me some feedback which when I've been on sets and I've gotten feedback from the director like when I ask them was this how you wanted me to deliver or was this the emotion that you wanted me to get across and they've said yes I love it that was perfect the way you delivered it then that made me feel really good and like I was doing something really important and bringing a good character to their movie because I want them to be proud and of course now on the directing side I want the actors to be proud of what they're putting out too so I feel like just listening to them and also knowing like being on the other end of it just looking out for things like that what about you lena 
Um, I would definitely say that as a performer, I can put myself into the shoes of the people that I'm employing quite frequently and sort of see, you know, okay, I can... I can push for this, but I shouldn't push farther than that because after that point, like I'm seeing, even if you're not saying it, I'm seeing your discomfort. I, I think that one thing that really sobered me in being a performer director was the idea that like there really is, you're like one bad day away from being a non-ethical set, essentially. Like there is no such thing as like a permanent state of ethics, but that it's like a constant maintenance and check-in and you can't like get lazy and just assume that what is happening on your set is okay because you would be okay with it in their shoes like I'm constantly having to practice like there's very much like a conscious practice of checking in and constantly reinforcing that it's okay to like voice dissent on my set if you're uncomfortable like say so yeah I totally relate to that there's I think there's days that we've all had where we're under the gun because you know a lot of times we, you know, now, you know, as like a producer and director, like we have to consider time and we have to consider like, you know, most locations charged by the hour. And also like, we don't want to keep our crew there all night and that kind of thing. So it's that delicate balance between trying to make sure that the performer's needs are accommodated and that everybody is getting what they need. And then also to like meeting this timetable and like getting the production done and like doing it in a reasonable amount of time. So it's like, it's a difficult balance. And it's really awkward, too, because there's also, like, elements, not even just of, like, sexual actions, but just, like, physical discomfort, because our job is often physically uncomfortable, and sort of gauging with the talent, like, okay, we all are pushing our bodies to a certain extent, like, to what extent are you willing to push your body for me? Because I know how far I'll push mine, but... I can't ask you to like be at the same level of like discomfort that I routinely put myself into, which yeah. is that that's awkward. Just constantly gauging that. Right, right, right. Um, so, uh, Lena, um, do you, did you ever feel that when you started directing coming, you know, from a place as being a performer, did you ever feel that? And also too, I think this could apply to one as a woman as well, that like, Maybe your crew didn't take you as seriously. I don't take myself. I didn't take myself seriously. But do you know what I mean? Like, do you ever like give people direction? And Whitney, I'm going to ask you this as well. And they'll just kind of be like, you don't know what you're talking about. That is so funny. It's so funny that you say that because my literal DP just walked in because he's doing the coverage. You're not going to be honest then. (laughs) No, 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 no. What the actually I did go through a couple of camera guys first because I had that conflict of, you know, I'm asking for something and you're looking at this and you've got 10 times the amount of experience that I have in the field and you're telling me no and I'll take a no in the right way like I'll take a here is my educated opinion and this is it but at the end of the day at times I'm still going to push past that for whatever vision that I have in mind and occasionally just because sadly I need to learn (laughs) that that doesn't work Um, and Alex the DP that I have has been amazing for if we have a disagreement he'll state here's why in an educating fashion but he won't push past that and I did encounter a lot of initial pushback and just when first directing also just commanding and controlling the crew and the cast like it's like herding cats like and you have to get to this this voice and this mannerism that will cut through the 
just absolute chaos of like a room filled with more than three performers and more than three crew members and get them to pay attention to you. That's a whole different skill set. Yeah, definitely. Um, I also too think that obviously this will vary from um, crew member to crew member, but sometimes people are just lazy and they want to go home. <laughs> And uh, I've definitely been in that place where I'm like, I, we can't do this just because I don't feel like it. And I, we can do this, but I don't, I don't want to. So, you know, that sometimes you got to yeah. overcome that too. And that's, easy I love to- Alex for that. Cause he won't let me get away with that. He's like, no, we're going to do this right. I'll be panicking about the timetable. He's like, no, however, we slow down, we take our time. We do this right. He's the, the cooler head between the two of us at times in that regard. I'm glad that you have that. <sighs> I need it. Uh, Winnie, how about you? Um, my crew has always, they've always been great and I've never really felt, um, a sense of like judgment from them or anything because, um, I think they kind of know that I'm super new to all of this and that I'm learning as we go along. So if I tell them like a kind of cut I want to do or a shot that I want to go for then they'll say okay here's how we can make that happen once I explain it to them or they'll also say well here is they'll ask me to explain it to them and if it just can't work then they'll say well here's how it like probably won't work because this but we could also try this way and we've gotten to like a lot of our good shots just by talking and seeing what we can tweak and things but um I would say like being a new director I kind of feel that um it's probably not even there but the um outside pressure just from I want to show that I'm like good enough to be like up there with everyone else and I watched like a TED talk on that recently where it's like where you can have a imposter syndrome where you feel like um, you're new and sometimes you don't know what you're doing, but in the back of your mind, you think that everyone else thinks that you don't know what you're doing and everyone's going to figure it out eventually. So they, um, yeah, I listened to it and it had like this theory behind it that that could be the thing that drives you to work harder, which I was like, yeah, basically, because I put, um, I've gone on, I've gone overtime too. And then I've, freaked out about time especially on the features and stuff but um I've had my crew members and my DOP say like well we're already like two hours over so we might as well spend you know 30 minutes on getting this exact shot that you want for the movie perfect and um which it always pays off in the end so yeah I um I feel like I've like put a lot into it and um I'm working very hard or my hardest and I'm like giving a hundred percent. So I feel like that's the thing that kind of stands out. And it is like the thing that speaks for me, I guess, even though I'm super new and I'm like learning every day. Yeah. I, I understand. It's hard finding that balance because you, you know, if you rush a shot or you don't get the shot the way that you really wanted it, even though you knew it was possible because of time, when you go back and watch that footage, you will see where you missed that opportunity and it will kill you. And it's super frustrating. So I have found that, you know, with more practice and look, I've been in this industry for 21 years and I've been like directing video and 
you know, obviously taking photos forever, but kind of shooting features is something that I still feel like I'm also kind of new at, you know, I do mostly just individual scenes. So I totally relate with you guys on that, like trying to balance out that schedule. And I've found that kind of ironically and not surprisingly, the one place that I maybe need to shorten the amount of time that I spend on is taking photos. (laughs) No way. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because I'll spend way too long taking pictures. And it's like, nobody cares about the pictures anymore, Holly. Like, shorten that. So it's trying to find that balance and, and do that. And that is that is definitely, definitely challenging. Okay, we're going to take a quick commercial break. So hang on. We'll be right back. Holly Randall Unfiltered is brought to you by Blue Chew. Question for my male listeners. Do you ever experience a less than stellar performance from your little friend? And has it ever caused you embarrassment or maybe even a relationship? Well, I'm here to tell you that you are not alone. Even some of the most popular male porn stars deal with the same issue. This is why you need to check out Blue Chew. Blue Chew is a male performance enhancement tablet that comes in a chewable form, which can work faster than a pill that you have to swallow and wait to digest. And there's no embarrassing doctor visits. You can get an online consultation with a physician at bluechew.com and have it shipped discreetly right to your door. Don't believe the hype? Okay, well then, why don't you try it for free with my special offer code? Go to bluechew.com and use promo code HOLLY. You only have to pay the $5 in shipping. That's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com and use promo code HOLLY. Holly Randall Unfiltered is also brought to you by Uberlube. Lube is the key to maximizing pleasure, whether alone or with a partner. If you're going to lubricate, you just want to make sure it's done with the highest quality body safe ingredients and nothing beats Uber Lube. Uber Lube is a luxurious high grade silicone lubricant made from clean body friendly ingredients. It's just silicone with a little vitamin E. The vitamin E leaves a velvety finish that actually moisturizes the skin. It is great for all kinds of play, vaginal or anal. Uber Lube is for everyone. Thousands of doctors recommend Uberlube as their go-to solution for patients experiencing dryness. Uberlube's simple ingredient list makes it widely used by people with sensitivities to other lubricants. And right now, they're offering Holly Randall Unfiltered listeners a special offer. 10% off and free shipping when you use my code HOLLY at uberlube.com. That's 10% off plus free shipping. Just use code HOLLY at uberlube.com. Okay, so we're back. So, um, Lena, what are who are some directors, mainstream or adult, whose style has influenced you? Or are there any particular movies that you've seen that have made you think like that's kind of what I'm trying to get across? Um, <clears throat> as far as directors go, like obviously you were an inspiration to me, as was Jackie St. James. So I came. totally didn't ask that. <laughs> no, no, no. I was I like, oh that. no, did that sound like so? This inspired Juliana. <laughs> right? You in this room. Set me up for that. Mm-hmm. It's okay. I'll be your hype woman all day. Um, no, you, Caden, Jackie, these sort of like just icons of like beautiful features and like high aesthetics and really taking your time on the drama and the acting. I definitely look to you guys. And also just being established female directors, you were definitely amongst some of the the faves. And then as far as mainstream directors go, uh, I always watched a lot of older movies. I was super into like 
Hitchcock and uh, like the more classic like noir genre. So I love I lean towards Moody. Uh, I loved foreign films. Kurosawa was like one of the first directors that I got obsessed with. Um, in recent years, I've really enjoyed uh Kerry Joji Fukunaga uh, and like his Maniac series influenced a lot of the lighting and um, art direction choices that I did in my feature that's coming out. Um, I don't know. I I watch movies differently now that I've started directing. Like I don't know if that has happened with you, but everything everything now is an opportunity for me to learn something or mimic a shot or something. I don't know. Everything's inspiring. Yeah, I mean, I think you're definitely right. I'm sure Whitney will probably say as well, you definitely watch movies differently after you've been directing them. And it, it, I won't say it ruins it in a way, but like you'll pick up on certain... It's homework now. It becomes like homework and it's almost like you can't sit down and just enjoy and absorb the movie. You'll be like, how do they get that shot? Where's that light source coming from? You know, that kind of thing. It's like kind of annoying. But um, how about you, Whitney? Um, yeah, I also would agree and say you and Jackie St. James and I actually really? yes I'm, <laughs> I'm so excited to hear more about myself and that I, I have, dropped my clipboard no and I um I'm I have an article coming out like next month in the um Expos magazine where I mentioned like yes like you and Jackie like when I entered I was like okay Holly and Jackie like two female directors and because that's like back when I didn't ever think that it was an option for performers because I thought you'd have to like know someone but I did know that like you and Jackie did it and like those you two were the ones who I was like okay yeah that like you know so um but I would say in mainstream um yeah you do watch movies differently and I um I used to never go watch scary movies but I've gone to see a few recently just to see you know the um like the jump factor like the jump scares that they put in things the things that like I don't know catch you kind of off guard I read this one article too like not so long ago where they they were talking about how um in a lot of the horror movies they'll have people enter off of like left screen because like for some reason that like throws your brain off because you weren't expecting it yeah 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 yeah. and I wish I could find that article but um yeah that I've I've done that in one of my movies I um I really surprise here Kubrick everyone probably says that but like the lighting how he uses like practicals for everything I don't think I've done a scene yet where I've only used practicals and not like a hair light or something, but um, I, I do definitely try to put as much light from like lamps, candles, just anything that I can fit in there. And um, and then, yeah, just like some of my favorite shots from my favorite movies. I did um, my version of that Roses scene from American Beauty um, in my feature Adelaide I did this cross cut with Gianna Dior and Chloe Capri in two different bathtubs like having two different experiences after like her husband and Gianna's psychiatrist like catches them cheating together and um, I got the idea from that or for that from Inception because there's a really good cross cut sequence that 
basically like ties the two characters back to each other in the end. But um, yeah, I now everything I look at for inspiration. I have to say just um, I, I am a bit jealous of you guys that you are obviously performing and working on so many different sets because I only work on my own sets and that you get to go see how other directors work and maybe like kind of steal and pick out ideas here and there because I never get that opportunity. I only know how I do my own thing. And so there's like a part of me that kind of just wants to go to other people's sets and just like steal their ideas. Sometimes when I see BTS of other people's sets, I'll be like, okay, where they put that light? Like, what are they using? What light modifier and that kind of thing. So is there anything specific that you feel like you've pulled off of somebody else's set that you use? Oh my gosh, so many different little lighting tricks I've pulled off of other people's sets. Um, Really, I like some of my best equipment comes from like having conversations with photographers and uh, DPs where you come in and you get pretty girls taken and you're like, wow, I look amazing in that. Like, what did you do there? And, you know, if they are, if they have the time, they'll sit down and explain to you like, oh, I put the, um, I put the, Oh, what's the word? Like the little hive filters over it or something. Uh, like that. Uh, the, um, oh my God, you just made me say the honeycomb grits. Yeah, honeycomb. Like the hive, honey, <laughs> something. <laughs> <Yes>. Exactly. <laughs> like I just started learning how to like work with those to shape light. Um, different, different tools. Like I switched over from quasars to asteras for my last big feature, which was a huge jump. And like I learned that by being on Caden set for a drive and, learning alt I learned so many different things on drive actually working with her um doing different things like single light sourcing uh which is another trick that I learned off of uh Caden's photographer uh when doing like photos or creating that kind of like dappled sunlit effect mm-hmm. by, by like a strong backlight overpowering everything and sort of like hazing it out mm-hmm. I don't know uh, every day is a new opportunity Winnie. Yeah, um, I would say that too, like pulling basically what everything you just said, pulling lighting tricks from or lighting tricks and asking around like what equipment that people are using because I really like it. I, I um, was on Dean Capture's set and he showed me a really cool trick that he did by um, uh, blurring out a, a portion of like the um, the shot by putting like vaseline on the lens that is such like an old school trick yeah and i and i didn't understand it i was like won't that mess up your lens he was like no look and he took a picture um or he showed me what it looked without it then he put the vaseline on and then showed me it and i was like oh it makes such a difference it like blurred out this whole like ugly part of the house that like we didn't want to shoot but couldn't really disguise and i was like oh that's so cool i have to say the one thing about dean's photography that i find so impressive is that he's able to shoot in these locations that i don't find the most aesthetically pleasing because i know those places because they're places that everybody shop but somehow he makes them look so good it's insane like it's he's just really good at taking a space that i'm like i hate that house like i'll never shoot there and like but the way he shoots it like looks great and i'm always like so impressed by that yeah so what do you feel about directing in the adult industry is the most rewarding thing? And what do you think is the most challenging? 
Um, I'll, I'll start with the most challenging thing. I think that the most challenging thing is the, the stark contrast between what mainstream accomplishes in one day and what we accomplish in one day. Like when you factor in that, like the average mainstream set, you're doing five minutes of the final edit per day and we're producing whole ass movies in the span of like 12 to 16 hours. That's just, I'm mind boggled every time I actually managed to pull it off. Like my last feature, we did six intros and outros and various insert shots in the course of a day, plus a sex scene. So we shot like most of the intros for the movie in the same day as we shot like the most complicated sex scene of the movie that included like having to relight the set two different ways because you had to get two different buybacks to make this trick shot they wanted work. I don't know. It at the end of the day I was just I was in disbelief. I mean, we probably got 120 minutes of final edit footage in one day. Like mainstream could never pull that off. That's that to me is the challenge is the budget and the parameters under which we operate. I I hear you and I know that we, you know, cuz Lena was recently on my podcast and we went on for a while about those <laughs> Molly Molly caught Molly Molly coddled little bitches. <laughs> In mainstream, which is what I believe Lena called them. But um, it's funny because, you know, mainstream is so just rejects adult in so many different ways. You know, we're the black sheep of the entertainment industry and they don't take us seriously and we don't know what we're doing. And, you know, we create these stupid, cheesy movies. But I would like to counter with the fact that people who work in adult are some of the most talented and hardest working people. What we can achieve with what we have is unbelievable and i feel like if you put a lot of us in a mainstream space like we could just run circles around everybody else so um yeah so that that that's something that we could just complain about forever Forever. (laughs) no anytime i bring a mainstream person onto my set like I, i had this experience recently like trying out a mainstream um person and they walked onto the set and they were so overwhelmed by the amount of things that we had to get done in the day like they could barely they they didn't keep up like they they were flagging behind the entire day while we were just like come on and my crew understood more about the technicalities of the lighting and the equipment that they were working with than the mainstream person did and I was I, I don't know any maybe I take a sick pleasure in that when that happens like obviously it sucked for the day but to some degree I think it validates your point mm. yeah uh, so what's the most rewarding thing oh my gosh um, I think seeing talent get as excited for the final product of something as I get um, when I see people take emotional investment into the roles and the characters that I've either created or that uh, Mind Geek has given us and when they take it and make it their baby and it's just like every take like they're they're really trying to leave something personal like on the on the screen that to me is like one of the most like heartwarming parts of my job because I mean like you said, it's more than just porn. And to me, like it's my work and it's my baby and I and I love it so much. And that collaborative process and making other people feel like, hey, for today, you know, tomorrow we're gonna jump out of a shower and make a shocked face, but today like we're gonna really try and like do something we care about and we're gonna take it seriously and we're gonna be proud of what we make. That's so cool to me. I get so excited. 
Yeah. And I suppose one could take, you know, what I was just complaining about with, um, you know, mainstream not taking adult um, workers seriously is that finally, like as a performer, you know, most of the time you're probably on a gonzo set where they're like, okay, like suck this penis and then cowgirl reverse cowgirl doggy and like, you know, that you're good, you're out. Like finally you get this opportunity to expand on these other skills that you have and like do something that's like a little bit more meaningful than just you know a penis and a vagina not that a penis and a vagina isn't meaningful i mean that's why we're all here right but you know what i mean like sometimes there can be more to life sorry i really hate this i need to yeah i I just dislike organization so sorry about that i'm just gonna leave that down there because i'm gonna keep knocking it over (laughs) winnie how about you um yeah i would i would say that the rewarding thing about it would be just yeah, seeing the actors completely immerse themselves in that role that you gave them. And um, I do a lot of exercises with my actors before we get to the actual like filming part of it um, that just goes into like in-depth for their character. How do you mean? Like what kind of exercises? Um, well... I learned I learned this in like my few months of acting school, but I thought it was really great and it helps me devote um it, it really helps me with my character just by um so we had to anything that you um do like for for Adelaide when I had Gianna in that I said, "Okay, what's your name?" She was like, "Adelaide something centaur i was like no what's your middle name and she said you didn't give me one and i said well make it up because i want you to give me your name your age your parents are they divorced where do they live how many siblings do you have so like really developing the character yeah yeah feel that you can encompass that person yeah yeah just just character development and then if they don't know it make it up and make it as true to your real life as possible like i want to know like when you lost your virginity, if you grew up in a blue collar, white collar home, religious or not, like what scares you? What dreams do you have? What makes you nervous? And I feel like that really helps the character, like whoever it is. And I do it with everyone on whatever feature sets I have. And I feel like it really helps. So that doing that with them and then seeing them really like embody that character is really rewarding to me because I can tell that they care and that they want to give me a good product and of course put something out that they're proud to be in. So yeah, that's the most rewarding part of it. That's really cool. I might steal that. It's good. Yeah. I'll give you the, I'll give you the sheet of like all the questions. Oh my God. Can we start a group email? (laughs) I know I'll send it to you. I feel like it really helps. And especially, um, not only do we do the character, development and everything but I'll come to them later in the script after a lot has happened um let's say that now they were broken up with their or they got broken up with by their husband for another girl and then they lost their job so now I'll come to them like okay you're obviously a very different person than you were when we first started this. So what's, so what's next for you? What are you going to do to like be okay again? What are, what's your next step and what are you going to do to get it? And um, yeah, it's really helpful too, by doing it um, after a major scenario has happened, it helps change their mindset from like this, 
super happy girl that had the perfect husband and everything and the perfect home to now her whole world has been turned upside down. And she's going to be a much different person than she was before all this happened. Like we all would be, you know? So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And so that was from the rewarding. So what's the most challenging part of directing, do you think? Um, I would say the most challenging thing is that you have a lot writing on you and a lot of responsibility. Um, so yeah, I would definitely say like it's challenge, not, not challenging, but, um, I'm always trying to make sure that I'm super in tune to everyone and making sure that everyone's happy and that they feel like they're respected and that they have like good energy and stuff and because I I don't want to ever shoot too long on a feature and someone like has to drive home they're too tired they crash into the barrier or something because that wouldn't be good and of course like you really thought that through oh my gosh I I always like think of the worst possible scenario with everything and then there's like um making sure that everyone on your set is um treating others ethically and properly like I've had to fire people this year for that and it's um and that's always like something that's always in the back of my mind too and then because I I want everyone to feel uh, of course as a performer who's like and I don't know any performer who wants to go to like a set where they're gonna feel like creeped out or something or just like they don't want to be there and can't wait to leave, like just got to get this check. So I want to make sure that everyone is always like super just happy and feel safe and everything else. So um, I would say that just, yeah, the most challenging part of it would be to like, it's not challenging like in the end, just like have good people on your set, you know? But um, yeah, I, I think that, it's been like especially like the last end of this year like we made a lot of changes and it was like that was hard but now that um like everything settled down it's like really just smooth sailing so yeah once you find like the right people to work for you it's it's great but it is it's it's it is a challenging balance you know balancing directing and how everybody else is doing on set. Cause ultimately like what we embody is several people's jobs or the line producers and the producers and the executive producers and the director and the AD, sometimes the PA and the stylist and all of those things. So um, we're coming to the end of our session. So I just want to hear from you guys what um, 2020 is bringing for you. Do you have any special projects coming up that you can talk about or that you can't talk about that we should be excited about? Anything in particular that you really want to achieve this year? Uh, This year, I want to try my hand at shooting for different companies, shooting different styles. You know, it's so funny because we've spent this whole hour talking about acting, but I really want to go back to basics and also shoot more gonzo this year because I did a kind of gonzo styled series for digital recently. And I just I forgot how fun, like just the joy of shooting just a penis in a vagina. (laughs) 
and doing that in a way that's like stylistic and fun. So I, I'm excited to possibly experiment there. Um, I want to write more. I want to write more realistically <laughs> in upcoming projects. Um, yeah, I don't know. This this year, I just I want to hone the craft of it. I feel like this past year was just getting thrown into the deep end and trying not to drown. And this year, I want to really perfect it. How about you, Whitney? Um, Adelaide is getting a part two. The Path to Forgiveness, which it's um it's it just came out on DVD, but it was my first all girl feature that's getting a part two so um a lot of part twos a lot more features and um yeah i'm i don't really have any of them written yet but they're gonna happen so yeah that's that's it for me fantastic all right guys well thank you so much thank for you joining me this was thank awesome you. i feel like i learned some things from both of you. I think Lena and I are definitely going to hit you up for your like actors kind of um, insight. I thought that was a really cool idea. Even even more helpful if like they write it out, but I know that's a lot. You have to do this. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yes, of course. Sorry. Yeah, it's really helpful. I feel like it's even more helpful if they sit down and write it out you know but i don't want to i don't want to be the director that's like here's your homework so right, right. and it's actual like homework Lord knows like we everybody else also has like other shoots and other things to do yeah it's like we're all really really busy but i mean how fortunate are we to be busy and um i just want to say that I just want to applaud both of you guys for stepping to the other side of the camera. I think it's really wonderful. Um, it's been a really amazing thing to, you know, have been in this industry as long as I have to come from a place where, you know, when I started, like the only women that I knew that were the only woman that I knew that was really like working behind the scenes in the camera was my mom. Um, and now coming into a space where like a lot of the directors that are nominated this year are women and just seeing like so many more women working and just producing incredible product. And I really feel like it's just changing the landscape of the adult industry in such an incredibly positive way. And I'm just really excited to, you know, be a part of it and to see people like you emerge and, you know, give our industry a better name. And I just want to thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thank you guys so much for coming. Thank you, everybody who's listening. And um, oh, are we doing questions? We have, well, after this is, there's some other person that's got a seminar in here after this. That would be this one. Um, so we'll do maybe, I'm going to do maybe one, you have a question, right? We'll do one, but I don't want to take up, um, I don't want to take up Whitney's space. Thank you. But I'm wondering what, from you girls, what is like a key piece of advice that you have for you know, a new director, performer, um, for me to maybe you know, follow and Okay, so Matthew, so for those of you who are not here and listening, um, Matthew just asked for some advice to implement moving forward as a director, correct? Lena, you want to start? 
Um, I would say that the biggest thing for me was I study film like it's my job now. Um, everything like I think whenever I get home, sitting in my inbox or in my mailbox is the uh, lighting technician's bible <laughs> that is going to be my light reading this evening. Um, everything there is studying. I spend time with directors and on sets of people that know more than you. Like that's the the biggest thing that I wish that I had done more of early on was PA more for more established directors and crews. And Whitney? Um, I would say that, yeah, that would be, that would be a good place to start too. Um, if there's something that you want to shoot, like, honestly, I thought like if you have a phone, like you could start with that even, but, um, I, yeah, I guess how I got started was I performed for like two years and when the, when I began to see a influx, I suppose, of female directors, I kind of just went out there and asked for it. So, um, which I had already worked for the company like several times, but I would say um, if you do eventually want to have someone back you and have you direct for their company, then um, I would definitely say to get your name out there performing first is a good way because you want to have a good relationship, a good working relationship with those people. And then, of course, after that, just start doing some stuff. And if I, I say it all the time, like opportunities always present themselves in this industry and I've been told no a lot but um, it doesn't mean that it didn't happen for me later so yeah so go out and seek opportunities practice on set be on other people's set yeah I would say that's definitely um, I mean the best way you know anybody can go to school and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars Mm -hmm. I mean I went to Brooks for a year and a half and I didn't learn shit and everything I learned was on set, you know, just working for other people. That's definitely it. Um, okay. I don't want to, I don't think we can take any more questions because it's one fifty three, and we're supposed to cut at one fifty. and this lady is doing a screening in here afterwards. And so I don't want to fuck her over. So thank you again, everybody for coming. Thanks so much for listening to my show. If you're a longtime listener or a new one, I've got a lot of interviews. So make sure you check out everything from the beginning of my catalog because there's some real gems back in the early days of the show. And if you enjoy this show, there's a couple of things that you can do to support it. First of all, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, rate me five stars and leave a review. It's incredibly helpful to get my show up in the charts. Secondly, you can join my Patreon for as little as $5 a month and watch the interviews stream live, which by the way, gives you access to my episodes way before anyone else. You can also get signed prints, books, merchandise, such as shirts and mugs, access to my private Snapchat, and a free membership to my website, hollyrandall.com. Plus, I offer tons of bonus content. Q&A with your favorite guests that you cannot hear on the free platforms. And of course, my exclusive bonus podcast, My LA Porn Life, that I do with my production manager, Eva. It gives you a real and hilarious 
insight into what it takes to run a small porn company like mine. Because trust me, my job, though stressful, awkward, and facepalm ridiculous as it is sometimes, well, it's never boring. And we definitely give you the juicy behind-the-scenes dish that you can't get anywhere else. Plus, Eva's dating life is absolutely hilarious, and she holds nothing back. So go to patreon.com slash hollyrandallunfiltered and join the community. Your support helps me in my journey to change people's minds about the adult industry and hopefully the lives of the people in it. My next episode is actually only two days away because this one was a bonus. So this Wednesday, I have Dr. Paul McGinn on the show. Dr. Paul McGinn is an urban geographer and planner who does research on different aspects of the sex industry and how it applies to geography. He studies adult novelty stores, sex toys, sex work, prostitution, and porn. His current research focuses on porn consumption and porn culture spaces. We're going to talk about things like Porn Valley and why the San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles became the hub of the adult industry, why it was originally New York City and then moved. It's going to be a really interesting interview that's very different from a lot of other episodes. So I hope that you enjoy it. So make sure that you come back on Wednesday for Dr. Paul McGinn on Holly Randall Unfiltered. <laughs>